All right. Well, it's good to see you guys. Okay, I got one of you guys excited. All right, that's good. Got one. Maybe maybe I had a, a couple more whoop whoops online, and so we'll t we'll take that. I got, got a couple of hands waving outside of cars, and so it is good to see you guys. Um, good morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Dan. I'm an associate pastor here now, uh, and so welcome. It is good to see you all. Thank, thank you for tuning in online. Um, I'm going to be preaching today, and so we're going to continue on in this series. It's been a DNA series. JP has been walking us through well, he's titled it DNA, just really looking at what makes the church the church, what makes us stand out, what things are really, really important. And so we're going to continue that theme today in this DNA series, and my title today is One More, and this is going to make a little bit more sense um, in a little bit, but today we're going to look at actually the Great Commission as identified by Jesus in Scripture. And what that looks like. But before we get there, before we get more into the series, I'd like to walk you guys through a story. A story about an individual named Dave Stacy. Dave Stacy. And for our help, and I know it's hard for you guys to see, but tuning in online, you'll be able to see it a little bit better. But I've got like an, a little an emoji story going on back here. All right. So um, for those of you that can see it, I'll try to, I'll try to walk through you guys the best, um, the best I can. But we've got Dave Stacy, and he is just a dude up here, and he's raising his hand. This guy is a nobody. He's a factory worker back in the 1970s. Just a normal, average Dave Stacy. Well, Dave Stacy felt called to come out and, and, and evangelize and lead others towards Jesus. And so we started a little Bible study group. And so I pull up the next one. We've got now a little crew. So Dave Stacy's at the top, and he started this Bible study crew, a group at a home. Again, nothing fancy. Just a home group. But little did he know that sitting in on some of these Bible studies was a young girl and I've got her up there as well. And she's kind of doing this number. She doesn't really know what's going on. But coming to these Bible studies with her parents changed her life. Her name's Karen. Karen's life was forever changed. She gave her life to Jesus. Has been following him ever since. She goes on to be married to an individual named Jerry. So now we've got a couple. His little emoji is like him like bowing down. I, I, that was like the only one that really showed up. And so there's really no significance behind that. Just that it's a guy and a girl. And Karen is now married to Jerry. Jerry also has a past. Jerry had influential people speak into his life. Now you'll actually, some of you guys may be uh, we'll be familiar with one of these names, but specifically his mom, Edna. His mom, Edna, played a huge role in him coming to faith in Jesus. As did his pastor named Fred and his friend named Norm, but also he was significantly impacted by the music ministry of Keith Green. And so it's not just one type of person. There's a bunch of different people. So now Karen and Jerry, they're married and, and they start having kids. And they have a kid and his name is Victor. Victor, oh, we got him up here. We got a little baby face. Little baby Victor up here. Little baby Victor. And so they do what they feel like they are called to do as Christian parents and they try to raise Victor and the rest of their kids the best they can to follow and love Jesus. Victor eventually moves to California. Victor's now in California. There he is. We've got our lovely, our lovely state out there. But now this is where things get a little interesting because now, now that Victor's in California, stories start converging. A student from Italy moves out to California as well. An immigrant student comes out to California. And so we've got our Italian flag and this immigrant student, um, and he moves out here, and he gives his life to Jesus. 
while being out here. And I know this is a big web. I promise. I promise this is going to all come together because there's more people involved. And the last slide with our last emojis I'm going to have pull up here is there's another family out here, and they have a son. His name's Nathan. Nathan was a key person in this Italian student's walk of faith. In fact, one night, Nathan walks up to Victor and goes, I think he's ready for Jesus. And this Italian immigrant student gives his life to Jesus. Now, I had a little fun with this, I'm not going to lie. Because that Victor person is me. My middle name is Victor, so I just, I just couldn't use Dan or Daniel, you guys may catch on. And Nathan, of course, his parents are Daniel and Michelle Lewis. And the student that came from Italy, his name was Ricky, who graduated a couple years ago. Why did I pull up this story, you guys? Because when we look at the Great Commission, when I look at my faith story, you guys, I don't even remember when I gave my life to Christ. I did it at such a young age. JP celebrates his, like he has, he came to faith like as, a, as an adult or at least later in his life. He remembers like the day. And so like he has, a, you guys have probably heard him talk about it. He has like the Chick-fil-A Salvation Day. The day where he gave his life to Christ, like the whole family goes out to Chick-fil-A and celebrates. That's awesome. Actually, maybe I should just invent today so then I can start doing Chick-fil-A Day. <laughs> guys, thinking on the spot here, we're, we're moving, we're cooking. But I don't have that. I don't actually remember the day I gave my life to Jesus. But what I do know is I look back at key people in my life. One of them was a high school teacher. Some of them were my parents. One of them was my youth pastor. I had also close friends. And I pull up this ridiculous emoji because, this emoji map, because for this one student, his name's Ricky, required Dave Stacy all the way back at the beginning to be faithful where he was, all the way back in the 70s. Guys, this is how the Great Commission works. When Jesus gave his disciples to go, gave them, gave them the commission to go, he didn't say go, go out broadcast on all the TV channels to all the millions and millions of people. He gives him these instructions. We'll be in Matthew 28 this morning. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is where we find what's called the Great Commission. This is at the end of Jesus' life. He was, he was died. He was killed. He was dead, buried. He was resurrected now. He's now spent time. He's spent uh, multiple weeks with his, um, with his disciples and friends. And so he's, he's fully resurrected again. And he's been hanging out and, and all the good times. It, it feels like we're going to keep rolling. Everything's good. Oh, but it was so dark and bad. has now been made right and whole. But then he brings this up and he says this. He's about, he's about to leave them. The disciples don't really see this coming. Verse 18, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, again, the disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. There's no government ruler or ordinance that is above him on heaven or earth. All of all of what we consider heaven and hell and, and all that we see here on this earth, all authority, he has it all under control. Since he has it all, since he has power over it all, he instructs them. Verse 19, therefore, because I have all the authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. And you guys have probably heard it preached before. And so what I want us to tackle today is, I'm hoping, and my, my hope and prayer is that we can be convicted 
on this passage, but leave here motivated on what we can do and the impact that you and I can have. I don't want us to leave here going, oh, the Great Commission. Like, well, to, to reach the whole world, that's impossible. So I'm going to go home and watch Netflix instead. I don't want us to be in that place. That's not a good place to be either. I want us to leave here motivated and excited about how God can use you. And there's a reason I started with this guy, Dave Stacy, because he's, he's you, he's me. But the impact he had on someone, and then the impact that person has on someone, that per- and then it's, it came down to my life. Because someone followed through on the Great Commission, my life has been forever changed. And it's not just my life. I guarantee you when Dave Stacy was leading these, uh, these Bible studies in just a home, he's not thinking about an Italian immigrant. And yet, that drastically affected an individual way, way later, almost 40 years later, 50 years later. So let's pray. I want us to pray over these verses and where God is leading us today. God, I pray and I ask that you convict us deeply that, um, that we leave here today a little uncomfortable because of the task at hand. At the same time, I pray that we leave here motivated, ready to do something about it. That, all, that we'd recognize that all power and authority has been given to you and you have now asked us to live that out. So we pray that you would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the Great Commission. I'd like to highlight, in Jesus' ministry, this is not the great suggestion. This is not the great recommendation recommendations that's a pretty popular thing these days you're always looking for recommendations on you know food places to go vacations um types of cars whatever it is like we want to see reviews we want to see what's recommended there's a reason we don't call this the great recommendation this is not the great suggestion on well you know if you guys think about it you know you you've followed me so if you know if if you feel like it go you know tell someone about it That is not Jesus' verbiage here. He says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. You have to go, or as translated, it's while we're going, while we are going to work, while we are living, while we are taking and raising our kids and taking them to sports practices and schools, as we are interacting with our extended families and coworkers and friends, as we are going, make them disciples. It's not the great suggestion or the great recommendation, but it's also not a mathematical formula that we have difficulty solving. It's not like this goodwill hunting, if anyone's a goodwill hunting fan out there, it's not this goodwill hunting where uh, the main character there, like the, the, the way the movie starts is he goes up to like this almost impossible mathematical equation on, his prof- on a, a professor's um, whiteboard. And he's just a janitor, but he goes and he solves it. He solves an equation that no one else could. That's not what the Great Commission is. It's not, Jesus doesn't go, okay, well, good luck. This is almost impossible to do. Um, not many people can do it, so good luck with that. No, it's following through on the commitment we made to Jesus. If we call ourselves Christ followers, we have no excuse. This, this is what we have to do. There's no buts, ifs, or ands. This is, this is the duty of those of us that fo- follow Jesus, that call him Lord and Savior. And if you're not there, that's totally fine. And this doesn't apply to you. But we will learn a little bit about this Jesus and the impact that he can have on our lives. And so it's not a suggestion. It's not this ridiculous mathematical formula It says, go and make disciples. What's a disciple? I've got the definition up here, but I'll go ahead and read it for you. To be a disciple is to become a follower, a pupil, or an apprentice. Many of you guys, probably your first jobs required some sort of apprenticeship or tutorage. 
This is what it looks like. It means to start with some of the basics and we slowly learn more. We slowly teach more. We don't, we don't just take our Bibles into our workplaces and slam it down on the desk and go, okay, start studying, let's go. No, hopefully before we do anything like that, we've shown them by the way we live and the way we talk, not just with them but with others, that Jesus has made an impact on my life. And I love you and I care for you. And we start with basics of the gospel, of grace, of the need for salvation, of the need for help, of sin, of the core that inside of us is this desire to do evil, that we want our own ways, we're prideful, we're selfish, we're pride-driven. So we start there, and then we start with this good news, and then we, we tutor. That's it. The Great Commission. Jesus simply asking you and myself to help others along the way. To be a Dave Stacy. To maybe lead a small group or Bible study. If you have kids. Guys, I love, love, love working with students. And I think you guys know that. But what I also see is a lot of parents sending kids to church or youth group and hoping that just kind of fixes all of their problems. And as much as I wish I could do that or the youth group or church could do that, we can't. And so if you have kids, it is your responsibility. Maybe grandkids, it's your responsibility. Nieces, nephews, I have nieces and nephews. And as I look at them, they're just like these tiny little guys, crazy. Like they don't, they don't really know anything yet. I'm like... I now am part of this opportunity to help show them who Jesus is. It's not the great suggestion. It's not the great recommendation. It's simply choosing to help help those around us. Help them understand one conversation at a time. To be disciples, to create disciples. He also says to all the nations, and this is where a lot of us maybe get checked out, because we go, oh my gosh, like I can't take it to all the nations. I don't know. I barely get my, like, my mind around English, if I'm going to be totally honest. That was not vocabulary and all like the sentence structures, guys. It's not my forte, I'll be honest. Let alone learning like other languages. Like how am I supposed to go do this? But the point here is at this time, Jesus and the Jewish culture was so inclusive. It was just so them or I'm sorry, exclusive, it was just them, that he's going, okay, this is good news. You know me. You've seen what I do. You've seen what I'm about. Now go, but you can't just go back to your homes. You can't just go back to our places of comfort. We can't just go back to what we know. You have to go out, and we have to start interacting with people we don't know, interacting with people that are different than us. Why? Because this good news is for everyone. And that's what's clear from Genesis to Revelation, you guys, in this Bible, is that the good news of Jesus is not exclusive. This is for everybody. But how can it get to everybody unless some people didn't go? What if the disciples stayed focused on Jerusalem and just kind of their friends and people they're comfortable with? Guess what? I'm a Gentile. Dave Stacy's a Gentile. This, 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 this path of salvation would have never taken place. So what does this look like? To make disciples, to go. This is the task. Again, this, isn't, this is actually a pretty popular passage. And so if you're familiar with Jesus and the Bible, you've probably heard this multiple times. And so I know a lot of people tuning in and you guys here, you're, a lot of you have probably heard this a bunch. And so I think our challenge today is, what do we do about it? What does that look like for you and for me? See, I think in our minds we go, okay, you need to have a social media platform where you at least have a couple thousand people following you, and that's how you influence people. So maybe just some people. Maybe, maybe it's just pastors. Maybe it's people like Dan 
like JP, like that's it's it's kind of on them. Guys, I love what I do, and I know JP JP loves what he does, but this is on all of us. And the Great Commission is not about me getting up here and preaching or JP getting up here and preaching. It's about me going home to my neighbors. It's about me going home to my family as well. If I'm not doing that, I'm failing at the Great Commission. So what does this look like? We've got our second passage today, which honestly, this one really kind of, I'll just prep you. This this convicted me pretty hard. I'll be totally honest. And so um, I'm going to read it for us because... Uh, it provides, I think, a little bit of clarity um, and contrast for us. And at 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 17. And so Timothy, he would have been, uh, he, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a disciple or anything like that. Um, he, was, he was a church plant pastor. And Paul wrote this letter to him. So he's this, he's this young pastor that's struggling. They're like, man, he's, these people are saying all these crazy things. I, this is hard. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage him. And he says this. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Guys, this stood out to me and this started convicting me right away because I'm like, okay, what he's saying is going, okay, Timothy, Treat your faith like you are a worker, and when you work hard, you don't need to be ashamed of what the boss thinks. And I pulled that into um, my, uh, not, not just my history, but where I am presently, like, or where you guys are. We all have work. And what, what's like the, the lead motivations in, in doing well and working hard Usually there's some camaraderie and team. Usually there's goals set above us that we're trying to establish. Typically there's quality leadership above us that are motivating us. All of these things are all driving us to excel and do our very, very best. And so for some of us, we have jobs where we have checklists and you can look at the end of the day and, and you check all the marks and you're like, hey, I did a good job. Some of you guys, you look back and you had four or five Zoom calls and you're like, I don't know what I did today. But at the end of the day, you've poured your heart, you've poured your efforts into your work as an approved worker. And this is what Paul is asking Timothy to do. This is what we are called to do in the Great Commission when we go. You see, if we prioritized our relationship with God like our work, I think our impact would start getting very, very significant. Because work in our minds is a necessity. We need to work. We need a certain job. We need a certain status. We need a certain income. That's how we provide for the family. And there's there's nothing wrong with thinking that way, but it's when that becomes the drive up here and the Great Commission falls way down here. Where all of a sudden we're more worried about everything else other than at the very core of what we're supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of us have a hard time, myself included you guys, with the Great Commission and I, there's a reason I pulled in this passage because um, I look at it, I'm like, wow, if I was that driven with the Great Commission as like this approved worker, if, I, if I'm striving after it and I can go at the end of the day and I can go, wow, yep, like I, I didn't necessarily have a conversation today, but like, man, I really started making some connections and stuff like that. I can look at it and I can be proud of what I did but there's a lot of days where I get home and I think back and I'm like, man, I didn't, I didn't do anything. Now, if I felt that way day after day or week after week about work, that wouldn't be good. It's probably affecting other people around me, affecting the people I work with. So why do we treat the Great Commission any differently? Paul also warns Timothy, continuing on, In verse 16, he goes, okay, this is what it looks like to be a worker, not to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter. I think we have a little bit of godless chatter going around the world these days. You guys get that same sense too? Avoid it. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. The more we think about and spend our time 
thinking and processing things that are not God or not the Great Commission, we get pulled into them and distracted to the point where I think a lot of times, I mean, I'm just going to say this. I think a lot of times the devil tries to come into our lives just to distract us so that we don't have an impact on those around us. He knows, he knows I've given my life to Christ. He can't touch me. But if he weasels his way in and he distracts me, what I'm supposed to be doing, it could definitely impact the people around me. So avoid the godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Verse 17, their teaching will spread like gangrene. Honestly, that's a really gross metaphor. But that's the point. That as soon as we allowed deterrence and distraction from the Great Commission to come in and we lose focus, it spreads to every other area of our life and it even spreads to those around us. And then maybe even people we don't even know are looking at us and they're like, man, I thought they said they were like, they love Jesus. And they're doing what? They said what? It spreads like a gangrene. So do your best to present yourselves to God as an approved worker. I think back on um, before I came out here, I've honestly, I've worked so many different jobs. And so, yes, I'm currently an associate pastor and youth pastor here. That hasn't always been the case. Or if I've had a variety of different workplace experiences where I'm not, I'm not off the hook. I need to take this good news of the gospel. I need to take this great commission, not suggestion. I need to take this great commission to my workplace. I was a factory worker for a long, long time. Boring assembly lines in a big factory facility. Where the clock like moved like two seconds an hour. Because that's how boring I was, that's how boring the work was. And my challenge there is as everyone's blaring all their crazy music everywhere and there's big machinery and presses, I'm going, man, what, what does the Great Commission look like for me here? How do I how do I bring this good news into a factory? I was also a cabinet maker, a custom cabinet maker, and it was just being my boss who was like, he was a very, very strong agnostic, just, just didn't believe in anything God, just didn't care about anything. And um, whenever it started coming up, you just like totally dismiss it and be like, oh, no, no, that's you do your thing. I, I'm like, that's kind of how he was. So I'm going, God, what does it look like to fulfill the Great Commission here? And after months and months of working with this guy, um, he noticed that whenever I was working by myself, he either left for an appointment or to, um, to work somewhere else. He'd come back, and I'd have a Christian, uh, Christian rock radio station playing. And one day, he went over, and he turned it on and just left it on for the day. Now, I don't know how much impact that will have. I have no idea. But someone where I started wanted nothing to do with God by the time. I mean, guys, this was like six, eight months. It wasn't like, oh, later that week. It was a long time of being there. And I'm like, the one day where he flips the radio station on, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. God may be moving in his heart. I was a construction worker. And as you can imagine, I worked with all sorts of different characters Doing construction. Who they, I mean, they're all young guys. like They were young like myself, making way too much money at that age. Doing whatever the heck they wanted to do with it. God, what does the Great Commission look like as a construction worker? In um, Chicago, I was a doorman. I was a security guard. Most of the time, I don't want to say I was treated like trash, but I'm an amenity for the wealthy. I'm an amenity for their lifestyle. And so a lot of mornings they'd walk by me and not even say hi or good morning. Don't mind me, I just kept all the bad guys out last night, but whatever. 
God, what does it look like to fulfill the Great Commission? This is what we have to do, you guys. We have to look at our lives. In fact, JP's been leading up to this the last couple weeks, and, and one of his main points he's kind of honed in on is this idea of orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. What we believe about Scripture leads to the correct actions that we live by. And so if we're ignoring this, if we're not engaging in this, if we're just showing up on a Sunday morning or tuning in once a week, we're probably not going to be having much practice along with that. That's not going to lead to very much action with that. If you showed up to work for one hour a week, how productive do you expect that week to be? Probably not very productive. And so why do we do that when it comes to this? Why do we do that to the person that we call Lord and Savior who gave everything for us? In fact, Jesus is the ultimate example. Jesus didn't ask or put himself in a place where like millions of people, he didn't go to like the TV stations and going, hey, look at me. He even recognizes that he could have done that. He's like, guys, don't you know I could call down a legion of angels right now and it would blow your mind. He never did that. He invested in 12 guys. 12 Dave Stacys. Fishermen. Tax collectors. Doctors. Us. He chose 12, and of those 12, he really honed in on three. Guys, when it comes to the Great Commission, I think we get so overwhelmed at the thought of going and making disciples of all the nations that we forget that in Jesus' time here on earth, the majority of his time in his intentional adult ministry years was just for 12 people. Of course, yeah, he was doing miracles. So he had four or 5,000 people follow him out into the wilderness where he had to provide food for him. Yeah, we know that happened. But what does he do after that? He goes to his friends and he goes, guys, we got to get out of here. I'm exhausted. Jesus is our ultimate example. Uh, a couple years ago, I went through... I went through a, a theme with our students, and I called it One More, which is where we get our title today. The theme for the whole year was One More. And I painted a picture to the students, and I go, guys, I want you to just get an idea of what One More conversation about the goodness of Jesus looks like. Just not, not ten more not a hundred more, not the next five years more, one more. One more conversation. Because I think when we come in with that mentality, we don't go in, oh man, I can't reach all the millions of people, but I, you know what, I can, one more. I can do one more. And I started having the students write on, on little cube boxes their stories of just a conversation they had about Jesus with a friend. Because it's not this intimidating. It wasn't going, hey guys, let's try to get a million conversations in by the end of the year. Because as soon as we do that, we go, well, we've got 10. Well, we're never going to make it. So what's, what's the motivation there? No, the motivation is one more. The motivation is celebrating one more in 30 days. Or one more in seven days. Or one more tomorrow. There's victory and celebration all along the way. One more. One more disciple. One more conversation. One more attempt on our part. What's one thing you can do today? One person you haven't reached out to. One person who's maybe stuck at home in quarantine. And you know that they have no interest in Jesus, so they're not going to tune into a random service. That's, what, that's what's kind of horrible about the COVID situation. Is that well, it's not horrible. I guess it just puts more on us to be more intentional. See, we can't, we can't just expect people to tune into our church service. We've got to go. We've got to have some of these conversations as approved workers. And so what does this look like? We're going to run through, and I just matched these up, some basic, basic things, you guys, 
I match these up with our five senses. Because it's not just one thing. It's not just one way that we go about living like this. Everyone's wired a little differently. And so I just tied one of these to each of our sentence or our, each of our senses. And the first one is to look for opportunity. Let's use our eyes. See, if we're not looking for opportunity, we're not going to notice it. In fact, uh, it's, it's kind of like when you get a new car and all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere on the freeway or on the roads. Why? Because your brain is tuned into that new model and color of that car. Or it's the one you've just always seen or you know. And so whenever you see it, you're like, oh, that's my car. Oh, look, that's my car. So look for opportunities. If we're not looking for opportunities, we're probably going to be like, well, God just doesn't bring anything my way. In fact, I live up in Escondido, and um, there's a, around where I live, uh, there's, there's, um, there's actually quite a bit of homeless people. But I found myself actually not really thinking of them very often until I started to look for them. And now that I look for them, I see a lot of them. I see needs for a lot of them. I see them where they live, where they set up their structures, where they try to get food. And because I'm looking, I see more of it. I could pretend they don't exist. I could pretend that there's no needs there and I just hop in my car and turn on my music and cruise out of there. But look for opportunity. Second, listen for common ground. Guys, this is, there's a reason I didn't start with us saying anything. Because as soon as we open our mouths, things can get a little hairy. Listen for common ground. This means you need to be intentional. We need to be intentional about the people we are talking to. We need to look for places. This is like Honestly, this is some of the most basic stuff when it comes to like, uh, if, if you listen to like evangelists and like how you spread the gospel, you listen for places to connect. I work with some people that are very, very different than me. For example, JP loves geocaching. I don't. That doesn't matter. Guess what? JP is from San Francisco and he loves the San Francisco sports teams. I'm from Minnesota. My Minnesota sports teams kind of stink, but I like following them. And so we can talk sports. And so we find areas where we have common ground. Beth, the office manager, she loves scrapbooking. Not so much here. But do I go in and go, oh, man, you, you scrapbook. Well, I can't even, <laughs> what do I even say to you? <laughs> No, guess what? Beth has a son who is a little bit older than me who is also a pastor up in Temecula. And so we, there's able, there's common ground that you find, and you guys know this. And you hold on to that common ground because you go, no, no, the relationship is so much more important than just being the same or thinking the same thing about everything. Look for opportunity. Listen to common ground. All right, now, now we can open our mouths. Speak with humility and boldness. If we're going to bring up Jesus in any conversation, it's going to require a little bit of boldness. But humility has to come first. This isn't about an agenda. This is about being patient, about being kind, about being graceful and humble. Not seeing where they are and what they're talking about as issues that I need to come in and fix. Jesus didn't say, go, all authority has been given to me, so go fix everyone's issues. No, that's his job. <laughs> we are not called to go fix those issues. We are called to be the Dave Stacys of the world and lead Bible studies. We are called to be the parents to raise our kids up. We are called to be co-workers that come alongside. We're called to be teachers Guys, I think back, I don't remember when I gave my life to Christ, but I can remember everyone along the way that has made a significant impact. In fact, I just called one the other day. He was my high school small group leader. That's how much of an impact he had. 
a fifth grade teacher who just loves Jesus and wanted to help out with students. He didn't know the impact those decisions could make, those, those decisions could have. Speak with humility and boldness. And then this is, this is one that kind of accompanies all these first three. The fourth one is feel the needs of others. Feel. Don't just observe them. Feel them. Put yourself in a place where you, you go, you know what, I've never been there. I've, I, I, don't know what this, I don't know what this feels like or looks like for you, but I'm going to try to put myself in a place where I can feel everything that you are feeling and going through. Feel the needs of others. And then lastly, you guys, and this is the most important one, feed yourselves God's word, God's word multiple times a day. Guys, if I'm trying to be healthy and exercise and train and do stuff like that, and all I eat is a morning smoothie every day, and that's it, I'm going to get burned out. I'm going to get exhausted. I'm going to lose motivation. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get sick because I'm not giving my body what it needs. How is this any different? How is what God has asked us to do in this great commission, how is this any different? You may feel like a nobody. You may feel like an average Joe, a Dave, a Dan, wherever you are. But you are not a nobody to those in your life that need Jesus. You may feel like, hey, I'm not the Francis Chan of the world. He's going to reach so many more people for Jesus than I will. Guys, it's not about who gets credit. If I look back at my little emoji picture, do I go, oh, you know who gets the most credit for leading this person to Jesus? No, 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 no. It required everyone all of us coming alongside, serving, volunteering, leading, discipling, all of those things. Guys, this is the beauty of the Great Commission, and this is our motivation moving forward. You're not doing it on your own. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. He gave us the church. This, he started this so that we go out there. We're not doing it on our own. We're coming alongside each other, and we're doing it together. This is the beauty of the Great Commission, you guys. The motivation behind one more conversation. You guys may not realize this, but each of you guys probably have maps similar to this. If you've given your life to Jesus, you could look back at the, the people, influential people in your life. And maybe there was, a, there, maybe there was like a popular person, like, you know, a, like a popular evangelist or something like that. But there's going to also be a lot of people. They're always like, oh yeah, well like this person from my church or my youth group, like they really, they really played a big part. Or this friend of mine played a really, really big part. Or this family member. Each of us would have maps kind of like that, you guys. It's not a mathematical formula too difficult for us to solve. And it's also not a great suggestion. the Great Commission. Jesus goes, I love you. I see you in your mess. I see decisions you've made. I know you're not proud of them. Daniel, I, I see your situation. I know you've made decisions that have not honored me. I love you. I want to I come alongside you. I want to help provide a way out. And so young Dan, at a day that I don't even remember, gave his life to Jesus and has been changed ever since. And now he goes, all right, I'll go do that for someone else. You feel the way, you feel that lift when you 
felt that forgiveness of your sins for the first time, go help someone else get to that place. Go have a conversation. Go lead a Bible study. Go have one more. We're going to transition to communion here in, in just a little bit. But I'd like to give you guys, uh, I'd like to share a quote. And I don't, I don't have this on the screen, so I'm just going to read it. But this just kind of summarizes everything that we've kind of discussed. Who Jesus was, what that means. His name's Daryl Bach. And he says, the synoptics, meaning the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the synoptics together are telling us that anyone with ears to hear and eyes to see should use them to find forgiveness in Jesus and enter into his promise. They also tell us that having responded, we should stay the course until he completes what was started, no matter how rough the world's rejection of him becomes. We should stay the course until he completes what he started, no matter how rough the world's rejection of him becomes. This is the Great Commission. That we go, that we're Dave Stacy's. That we're Dave Stacy's. That we're Karen and Jerry's. Those are my parents. That's what we strive for. Just being faithful with where God has us. Today. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Let's take what we hold in this Bible as truth. We call it the gospel because the gospel means good news or a good story. This is a good story that's drastically changed my life. And God used a whole bunch of people along the way to make that possible. So now it is up to us to look for opportunities, to listen for common ground, to speak with humility and boldness, to feel the needs of others, to feed yourself on God's word multiple times a day. I've got to eat, guys, minimum three times a day. Sometimes more. Maybe I don't need to eat more, but I feel like it. So what if we prioritize God's word like we do our work, like we do our lifestyles and our schedules and our food? What if we prioritize that and started reaching out to one more person around us? Let's pray. God, we... Um, We don't want to end today intimidated or overwhelmed by what you've asked us to do. God, God, I pray that we leave here motivated. That the story of the Dave Stacys of the world, along with my own, should be encouragement for each one of us to go out and just be faithful where we are at. As we're going Go make disciples. Go show Jesus. Go show him the love. Go, go bring that good news, that good story to places that it needs to be. Take it to people that need to hear it. Take it into situations that need to be redeemed. Take it to people that need gr that grace and that mercy communicated to them for the first time. Take it to your, your kids and your nieces and nephews. Take it to your co-workers. As we leave Pomerado Christian Church or as we leave our homes today if we're tuning in, take it to people that need it. Take it to the Dan Goodhams of the world. Young boy has no idea what God's going to do in his life, has no idea what his future holds. But Dan Goodham would not be standing here today, gone through what he's gone through if someone had not taken the time 
to have one more conversation. Ricardo would not would not be saved if it wasn't for people like Nathan Lewis to come alongside him. God, help us to reprioritize this commission. Not a suggestion, not a recommendation. Help us to go. But help our motivation be out of a desire to love you more. This isn't a mark on a checkbox. This is simply following through with what you've asked us to do because you've saved us. And so with that, God, we remember your great sacrifice. We remember the cost it took so that we would be at a place to receive your grace and mercy. And you gave it willingly. And you gave it all. And then you had a quick conversation with your closest friends before you left and said, all right, now go and show other people this same thing. God, we confess our shortcomings and failures, our inabilities, our frustrations, our angers, our disappointments, our griefs, maybe decisions we've made, maybe things that have happened to us, God, we, we bring these before your, before your cross right now. And we ask for your forgiveness as we remember the ultimate price that you paid. God, help us to love you a little bit more today. In Jesus' name, amen.